The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above Rise all. up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked triumph? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate world. the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers here in the house, and anybody else I may have missed, to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio. We use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown. I'm not coming to you live today. Uh, We are pre-recording due to the time differences of our guest. But I am coming from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio, you can scroll down on the right side of the page and we'll be the second video down in this area that I'm showing on the screen if you happen to hop over there. It'll be, a, it'll be a live version. You can click on that. You can enlarge it. That's right. You can see the faces made for radio. And um, you can click onto that again, and you can join us in the chat where I'm sure a lot of people are this morning, as they are every morning, uh, good friends, like-minded people, 
And you can make new friends probably in your area or around the country to encourage you in the fight that we have uh, ahead of us. Also right above that is Bradley's show from the previous day. You can click and watch that or you can wait and catch him at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central when he goes live here on sonsoflibertymedia.com right on the right side of the page. Also just above that is a place where you can subscribe to our newsletter. We don't rent your email, sell it, or spam it. Uh, You get one email from us a day, and that includes the morning show. You get the video portion, the podcast, any of the information that we're going to cover today. All of that's going to be tucked inside an article format to where anything that you might question about what we talk about, you can go there and, and, you know, research it for yourself. We like to put that as much as we can in one little neat package, and then you can begin to investigate things uh, yourself about what is said. Final thing, we don't ask for money here, we, but it does take money to do what we do, so we let you know we have needs. And uh, there's a donate button at the top of sonsoflibertymedia.com. You can click on that and make a one-time donation. You agree with our message. You want to see it out in the 50 states and even around the world. Then you can do that with a one-time donation. You can also partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty. That link is also at the top of sonsoflibertymedia.com. And our store button here provides a lot of products that are great conversation starters, whether T-shirts or hats, coffee mugs, water bottles, all kinds of stuff. And then we have some equipping tools, videos and books and the like also in there. That also helps support us and in turn gives you some things that you can use in the sphere of influence that God has you in in the fight here in the United States. Now, with that said, we got a special guest this morning. Uh, Her name is Mia Han. Uh, She's a speech-language pathologist and autism specialist who has been on the front lines of speaking truth against uh, what has gone terribly wrong in our American vaccine program and the corruption with our regulatory agencies, including the CDC, the World Health Organization, the NIH, as well as others. She's a regional director for Michigan for Vaccine Choice, which is the largest advocacy organization in Michigan fighting to maintain medical freedom. And she also hosts a podcast called Health Freedom Unmuzzled, which is a science and medical show aimed at exposing truth, truths that the world is sadly being censored from. Now, before I bring uh, Mia on, one of the things I want to do is I want to play her testimony, which was from last week. And this is before the Michigan House Oversight Committee on a bill attempting to ban vaccine passports. Take a look at this. This is Mia. Go ahead, Maya. Thank you, Chairman Johnson and committee members. My name is Maya Hahn. I'm a speech-language pathologist and an autism specialist, and I'm also the mother of three vaccine-injured children. I am here representing those who are vaccine-injured and those that are at significant risk for vaccine injury. Just as African Americans are at higher risk for COVID-19, science has shown us that they have a 336% increase in vaccine injury. This stat comes straight from Dr. William Thompson, a scientist at the CDC who has given a sworn affidavit to Congress of this increased risk and 800 pages of a CDC study showing this higher risk. And our CDC has covered this information up since 2005. We have a captured and corrupt government and government agencies, and we have pharmaceutical companies that have zero liability from the damages that their vaccines cause. 
No one is protecting us, not the government agencies who were formed to, nor Big Pharma. Our own Michigan Department of Health and Human Services is not even providing true informed consent that these COVID-19 vaccines have not even gone through the proper safety trials that have not even been approved for safety by the FDA and are only being allowed through emergency use and that every recipient of these vaccines is being experimented on. They do not know the long-term consequences they do not know the carcinogenic, the reproductive, the immunogenic, or the autoimmune effects of these new RNA vaccines. Yet Health and Human Services is coercing millions of Michiganders to be injected without true informed consent. This is against the Nuremberg Code. We are about to once again create a second class society. Those that are vaccine injured at risk for vaccine injury and those that are religiously or philosophically opposed to being opposed to these vaccines will be segregated and discriminated against and deprived of their liberties and freedoms. We are, are we really ready once again to segregate and separate our citizens? Where restaurants, hospitals, and nursing homes can refuse access, re reject care or visitation? Have we not learned anything from Nazi Germany in the 1930s or our own U.S. history prior to the civil rights movement? It is vital that we protect our citizens from going down this destructive path. Dr. Martin Luther King once said, I have a dream. And as I stand here before the committee today, I echo these words. I have a dream. My children have a dream. People who are vaccine injured or who are at risk of, energy, of injury have a dream. We have dreams of being able to live freely and equally without deprivation of our human rights. Our children dream to go to college, get a job, travel, go to restaurants, concerts, church, and stores. I ask this committee today to pave a way for them, for the vaccine injured, for the religious, such as the Amis, who religiously object to vaccinations, for the African-American community that deserves, for all that they have been through, the protection against discrimination and segregation. I ask you to vote yes on SB 4667 and to hold a hearing also and vote yes on the new bills 4789, 4790, 91, 92, 93, and 94 that have been assigned to your committee, which is a vaccine bill package aimed to protect our citizens. Speak the comments to the bill before the committee right now. Thank you for being here. We Thank you. On. Appreciate it. All right. Next up is. Okay. All right. That is Ms. Hahn. And I just realized I was trying not to do the same thing that I know Bradley has done, but I want to welcome her to the Sons of Liberty. Are, are you there? Hi, Tim. Thanks for having me. Hey. No problem about my name. I get it all the time. Okay. That, now, did I get it? I got it wrong, didn't I? It's Maya. Maya. Okay. All right. I just want to make sure I get that right I, because I heard Bradley say it and then he was back and forth and I said, it's the opposite of the way it looks. And I was, that's why I said the other. So I do apologize. Maya Han, thank you for <laughs> enduring that about your name and uh, well done in what you had to say there before um, this House Oversight Committee. And you've come today because we're going to give you basically the time that we have here to kind of go through a presentation of of your story and what you're doing to help 
um, you know, children who've been, or children and I guess adults who've been injured through vaccination. You have your own story to tell. And so what I want to do is turn it over to you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this thing to where you're so vocal about uh, vaccinations. Thank you so much, Tim. Yes, well, I wish I could say that I came into this movement in the 1990s when I was treating patients who were severe to profoundly autistic and injured by vaccines, actually. They were so profoundly injured that they couldn't even attend school. They were homebound, and I would go into the homes and treat them there. Um, Unfortunately, it took a personal experience, um, vaccine injury happening in my own home, for me to actually look very closely at what was going on in our vaccine program, look at the science, and find out that our regulatory agencies have been corrupted and they're captured by big pharma. So a, uh, my, my son, he regressed into autism at two and a half. He had a delayed schedule. And I really thought that vaccine injury was one in a million. I just happened to be seeing them all and that there was probably one in a million chance that anything would happen to my kids. And my son regressed, even though we spread out the vaccines. And at that time, he was my firstborn, and the, the reaction was delayed. It wasn't overnight. And that's what I had expected. And I had always just assumed. And so when my son started showing this regression three weeks post-vaccination, everything in me told me not to blame the vaccines. And it took until my daughter, his sister, at two months, and we gave her all the vaccines that we realized um, the, the great mistake that we had made in trusting the doctors and not doing our own research. Um, my daughter has had seizures, infantile spasms. She's uh, had tics, and um, she's developed cutaneous lupus, which is an autoimmune disease that makes her allergic to the sun. So since the age of six, she has been on medications and monitored by six different specialists, cannot live a normal life. For the rest of her life, she'll be fighting this disease. Or uh, something that we tried to prevent. We tried to prevent diseases, right? And so from then on, uh, we really started to do the research and um, meeting with many, many parents that had the same story. I'd already been in the field for a long time. I'd known many parents. I became one of them. Here in Michigan, um, joined Michigan for Vaccine Choice, gathered with many parents, and um, we just started educating and trying to educate the public, trying to educate our legislators about what has happened to our vaccine program, what is happening to the children in America and around the world, and trying to be a voice for them and trying to get medical establishment to acknowledge the vaccine injury is happening significantly more than they're reporting it. Okay. All right. Now, on your journey here, you found out there were a lot of other people just like you. They had uh, children who had been injured, uh, moms and dads. Um, I don't know if you had family and friends that were a part of this or not, but you obviously began to coalesce into a group of people who were encouraging one another and were looking for uh, some kind of focus to go do something about the problem, right? You weren't just sitting there crying on each other's shoulders. Right. Well, we would uh, start to do, I don't know if you have these pictures I brought to you, but we started doing rallies, uh, educational events, uh, sharing with anybody and everybody that would listen 
uh, we started meeting with the doctors here in Michigan and the scientists in Michigan that were also whistleblowing that they were seeing a significant increase in their patients with back pain injury. Here is um, some of the group at the steps of the Capitol in Michigan um, showing many of the faces of vaccine injury. And uh, we've done many of events. You know, the Trump rallies were a place where we would go out and set a poll in Michigan and go out and try to educate the people that were in line to see uh, the next president. So we've been doing this for a long time and um, just been trying to spread information because the censorship's been so hard. We really have to do this in person and trying to get around the demonization of, of uh, our message has been challenging, but I'm very grateful for the network of people. Here we have about over 13,000 members of Michigan for Vaccine Choice, many of which are families of the vaccine injured, as well as doctors and scientists. Uh, and they come out and they'll do events with us, they'll share the science, um, and that's how we're getting our message out. But, you know, this message has not been a new one. I think more people are now starting to hear it because they're starting to see how their own freedoms are being in, impinged from COVID now. But our message has been trying to go on for a long time. You know, some of the first people that were trying to get this message out, if you remember Jenny McCarthy, when her son regressed into autism back in the 2008, she went on a, and did rallies. She went on a circuit. The media picked it up. You know, we, she was on the, the cover of People magazine. She was on Donahue and Oprah and CNN. And they were actually discussing possible concerns of autism and vaccine. This day and age, of course, we don't see anything like that. And in fact, um, since Jenny McCarthy went on this campaign, the pharmaceutical companies really started to panic. And that's really when the media and the pharma began a massive propaganda campaign against talking any uh, talk against vaccine, any questioning of vaccine. I, it, the entire term anti-vaxxer and Google moms came from a very particular campaign aimed at stopping any question of vaccine Well, and again, this has been something that's been going on for, I think it's been going on for a long time. They've tried to cover up their stuff. They Now they're actually using the force of law, if you will. It's unconstitutional to give, give these companies immunity the way our government has done. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, we did a show, um, was it a, about a month or so ago, where we dealt with the guy who, signed the legislation that you're going to get to and how he he basically sold us out to the Soviets uh, with the education process too. And everybody wants to give excuses, but the fact of the matter is it has a, a, these things have a big impact upon us and upon our children. So you've got these things going on. Now you get all of a sudden you've got a, you've got a voice sort of in the celebrity factor of, of Jenny McCarthy. And so she begins to speak out. So when does when does she start to talk here? When did when does she start to speak out? And what in this response of this campaign? How does it begin to ramp up? Well, there was already some uh, response prior to Jenny McCarthy, uh, but it really started to push the media propaganda machine. Really started to push 
uh, around 2008 when Jenny came on the scene. Um, prior to that, we had doctors and scientists that had simply started asking questions. They weren't directly saying vaccines cause autism or we have a real problem with our vaccine program. They were simply asking questions and were asking for more science to be done. A perfect example is Andrew Wakefield. If you remember Dr. Andrew Wakefield, it has been a talking point by the media and big pharma for many, many years. This was back in the 19, the early 2000s when uh, Dr. Andrew Wakefield had, he was a gastroenterologist and he had a, a gross amount of uh, pediatric patients that were autistic that had massive issues in their gut. And he did a paper and he did the studies and found out that some of these kids had significant issues and leaky gut syndrome because um, as part of the syndrome. He never said it was because of autism. Part of the questionnaire, the parent questionnaire, was what do you think, when did this start, the child's gastrointestinal issues? And almost all the parents had said, this started at the same time my child regressed from the vaccines, so did their gastrointestinal issues. And that was simply a questionnaire that was put into the scientific study. Dr. Andrew Wakefield got massive pushback from the pharmaceutical companies, and they, they demonized him. I mean, everybody knows the quack, Andrew Wakefield, who tried to connect autism to vaccines. You know, the talking point is it was proven his paper was withdrawn. It was proven that he was a fraud and he lied, which is not at all true. It was not true at all. The Lancet withdrew his paper, not because there was any falsification on that whatsoever. The Lancet was pressured by Big Pharma to withdraw it. And they said and they took his medical license because they said it was unethical for him to run any gastrointestinal studies that would be normal for a, a, a typical child that had was neurotypical. But because the children were autistic, it was unethical. Because at that time, they really, and even to this day, they say there is no cure for autism. All the associated medical issues with autism should not be assessed. They're not treatable, it's part of the syndrome. And it's an absolute tragedy. And Dr. Andrew Wakefield, to me, he is a personal hero because he has done so much for the, the population in autism and for the medical field in general. I really think that he should be winning a Nobel Prize for his work. He was the one who came up with the gut-brain connection that we now use, neurologists use, gastroenterologists use, to understand that we do have this connection between our gut and our brain. And it's a significant uh, movement in science that we now use even in our autistic population. So, you know, I really think that I hope that one day the truth comes out about Dr. Wakefield, that this is, again, all part of a propaganda machine aimed at making doctors and scientists basically threatening them that if they dare ask any questions about vaccines, they will be destroyed. Yeah, I, you know, I've seen where even Bill Gates went on national television and just, uh, you know, slandered Dr. Wakefield and saying, oh, he was proven to be false and this, that, and the other when he was confronted about things. And uh, the fact of the matter is when we start digging down and we, and we get into the basics of what's going on here, we see people like Bill Gates. I mean, he's sort of the, the poster boy of all this now. 
we see all the money invested. We see a lot of money to be made. The Bible says not that money is, is evil, but the love of money is the root of all evil. And we see somebody like Gates trying to get his fingers in all these pies, you know, the climate, uh, vaccines, uh, farmland, your food, everything else, and trying to have almost trying to play God in controlling all of this stuff. I can make it better if I just, you know, if I just do what I want to do with it. And uh, you mentioned this uh, gut-brain connection, and we've been covering a lot of that on Saturdays when we talk about the heavy metals that are taken into the body, when we're talking about even uh, when people talk about chemtrails and some of the things that are breathed in, taken in, some of the foods that we're eating, some of the uh, other things that we're consuming, and how they're getting into our body through the gut, and then as a result of that, it's damaging all sorts of things, not just just our brain, but uh, a lot of other areas as well. Now, you had something else that you wanted to talk about here uh, with the CDC and the WHO and the NIH and and all of that. You want to you want to touch on that just a bit? Um. Well, I. Where did it all begin? We really need to ask ourselves: At what point did we lose the whole purpose of the World Health Organization? the CDC, all of these are regulatory agencies meant to protect us from industry, right? They're meant to make sure that, that we're safe. They're meant to give us the, the right policies and up-to-date science. So at what point did, we, did they stop doing that? And I really look back to something that happened in 1986 when Ronald Reagan passed the National Vaccine Injury Act. And this allowed for pharmaceutical, the vaccine industry, to not have any liability for the vaccine and the damages that they caused. And from then on, vaccines had become a revolving door. Once the liability was off pharmaceutical companies, they were then able to create as many as they wanted. And all they simply had to do was provide money to these regulatory agencies. And in fact, all of these agencies receive over 50% of their annual budgets by Big Pharma. So they've been able to get this lobby money, a massive amount of this money. Not only that, but the people that are in the CDC, the World Health Organization, the National Institutes of Health, are entitled, they're allowed to hold patents on these vaccines that are administered. They can get patent royalties off of every injection that is given to our children. So at that point, it becomes a captured agency. At that point, the conflict of interest is so great that we can no longer trust that these agencies are doing what they're set out to do. And I want to point out, um, you had brought up that ratio of the required vaccines versus the dramatic increase in autism. That gives you a horrifying reality of what has happened since the 1980s, since this act was implemented. Back in the 80s, it was 1 in 10,000 children were diagnosed with autism. It was unheard of. Most people had no idea what autism was. In the 1990s, when I started working with these children, the parents were screaming from the rooftops that the MMR had caused their child's destruction, At that point, it had grown to one in 500. But then in the 2000s, right around when Jenny was in there, one in 88. 
It moved up to 1 in 50 in the teens. And today, and this was a stat in 2017, it's 1 in 36 children have autism. If we keep going at this rate, by 2030, we're going to have 1 in 2 children with autism. Tim, that is the end of our nation. If we continue on this trend and do not address the influx of autism and the issues that are causing it, we will have a caregiver and we will have a person that cannot function in society. That is the end. We will no longer have a functioning society. Hmm. Now you've got a you've got testimony here too that you want me to play from a guy. Is this is this where you want me to give uh, Bill Posey a little word here? Yeah. So let me give you a little prep on what you're about to see. Okay. Okay. So in 2001. The, uh, the CDC started to look at, because they saw this increase, it was 1 in 500 that it showed up. People were starting to say, the MMR is causing my child's destruction. They're getting autism from the MMR. So they actually did a study to look for that. And in 2001, they covered it up. They found that African-American boys, if they were given the MMR shot prior to the age of three, had a 336% increase in getting autism. When they found this out, the head scientists were told to gather all the data and put it in the trash can. And thankfully, years later, in 2014, the head uh, CDC doctor was caught on film, recorded, making this, this uh, claim, and he had to file a whistleblower status and he submitted all of that paperwork, 800 pages of their study from 2001, showing that they had found this link and they trashed it. Listen to Bill Posey, who was given this information by Dr. William Trump. All right, here comes Bill Posey. For the non-birth certificate sample, the adjusted race effect, statistical significance was huge. All the authors and I met and decided some bind between August and September 02, not to report any race effects for the paper. Sometime soon after the meeting, we decided to exclude reporting any race effects. The co-author scheduled a meeting to destroy documents related to the study. The remaining four co-authors all met and brought a big garbage can into the meeting room and reviewed and went through all the hard copy documents that we had thought we should discard and put them in a huge garbage can. However, because I assumed it was illegal and would violate both FOIA and DOJ requests, I kept hard copies of all documents in my office and I retained all associated computer files. I believe we intentionally withheld controversial findings from the final draft of the pediatrics paper. End of quote of, of the doctor. Mr. Speaker, I believe it's our duty to ensure that the documents Dr. Thompson provided are not, not ignored. Uh, therefore, I will provide them to members of Congress and the House committees upon request. Uh, considering the nature of the whistleblower's documents, as well as the involvement of the CDC, a hearing and a thorough investigation is warranted. Uh, so I ask, uh, Mr. Speaker, I, I beg, I implore uh, my colleagues on the appropriations committees to please, please take such action. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. I yield back. Well, now, my, Maya, here's the thing. When we hear stuff like this and we hear what you presented to us before, 
I, I'm sitting here going, how many of these representatives get money in some form or another, whether it's a campaign financing kind of thing or other kind of you know, bribes or dinners or whatever from these big pharma companies once they're in office? And then we tie that back to the thing that you talked about. These guys keep encroaching on things like health care. And look, it, it happens on, on both sides of the aisle. They're, they're, nowhere in our Constitution do we authorize them to deal with health care, our health, vaccines, any of that stuff. In fact, I don't even know why we have uh, the NIH. They're, they're not authorized. The CDC is not authorized. The FDA is not authorized in our Constitution. And so it, it, it leads to just this thing. You were talking about the guys at the NIH. I know Fauci has like a thousand patents to his name. Talk about a conflict of interest going on in all of this. And I can see how people get frustrated and want to pull their hair out because nobody really wants to listen, at least up in D.C. Absolutely. Well, we, we not only have captured, you know, regulatory agencies, but our politicians are captured. This was in 2015 that Bill Posey presented that to Congress. He cannot find a single congressman to support him and hold a hearing against the CDC. No investigation. You know, sadly, politicians' priority number one is re-election. And to do that, it takes campaign financing. And to do that, it comes straight from pharma. It is a political career-ender to go after big pharma like this. And so we have hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of dead and maimed children, children that have succumbed to autism, even though since 2001 we've known there's a problem. Yeah, I, 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 I completely agree. In fact, we've had several. It isn't just Dr. Wakefield that you mentioned before, but we've had some other doctors. We've done some stories on them. I'll have to put them in the archive so people can look at it. I forget the other guy, but um, Ben Swan had done a report on the link between vaccines and autism and, and stuff like this. And uh, and it was pretty clear that things had been covered up and that, that they had indeed known beforehand of, of what the problem was. It's the same thing happening now, now that they've changed even the definition of vaccine in the Webster's uh, to accommodate these new mRNA jabs. They're not even vaccines. They, they're not there to uh, vaccinate. They're there to, to transform your genes. So they've known all this stuff. They keep it covered up. The Mockingbird media helps because they come along and they reiterate the same phrase that the corrupt politicians are saying. These are safe and effective, yet they're never reporting on the, my goodness, 100,000 adverse effects just in the U.S. that are reported in the VARES report and over 4,000 deaths in four months following getting these injections. They've never had any, I mean, that spans 20 years of their record, records before, and we know that's only about 1% of what's actually taking place. We could be looking at hundreds of thousands of people dead already from taking this injection that haven't been reported, and hundreds of thousands who've had other adverse effects from autism to you know, illnesses, rashes, blood clots, all kinds of things, all kinds of problems. And, uh, and yet, the politicians go along like nothing's the problem. The CDC goes along like nothing's a problem. The FDA goes along. Now they've just uh, authorized the youth use for children, emergency use for children for these things. They're they're completely out in the open with their mask off, no pun intended, and showing their hand as to what they're doing. 
it's absolutely terrifying. And, you know, I don't know how anybody can sleep at night when they know what is actually going on and they're going through with it for political gain or power or money. Um, it's time for us to all rise up and expose the truth and uh, tell those that are in Congress that we absolutely must finally have the CDC have a hearing, have an investigation. I just, you know, we've been asking for this for so long. I hope that people are starting to become more outraged, more informed, and more of a voice that it becomes politically disadvantaged to not do so. You know, and, and looking at the FDA, I know a lot of people have gotten on to, you know, these concerns about vaccines recently with the COVID vaccine, as you had mentioned. However, there has been ongoing issues with the vaccines and it's specifically with those that have adjuvants. You know, you had said you'd spoken in the past about metals. Well, a perfect example that we have right now, aluminum is probably the biggest adjuvant that we use currently in our vaccine schedule in our children. And I want to point something out to you. I want to point out how the FDA, the FDA regulates many foods and drugs, right? Um, they give approval. They'll tell you set, set what limits are safe, what are not. The FDA has set a limit to aluminum injection of, of the amount that you can have in an entire day, okay? But somehow, when it comes to vaccines, they think that vaccines are more important than their own safety levels in which that they say that it's past the safety level, it's a neurotoxin. They have made the executive decision to still tell the American parents that these are still safe way beyond our levels because we can't figure out another way, another adjuvant to use in vaccines. And we think vaccines are more important than the neurodevelopment of your child. So here is their, the FDA safety maximum levels for aluminum, okay? So they're only allowed to have 2.27 micrograms per pound a day. Okay? So if you have an eight-pound baby when it's born, you they should only get a maximum of 18.1 micrograms of aluminum in an entire day. That is the FDA standard for everything that they have said you can't have that in anything except vaccines. Now, if you go over to the next slide, I'm going to show you on the first day of life. This is what the vaccine, the HEP B vaccine on the first day of life is 250 micrograms of aluminum injected into your baby. These amounts far exceed what the FDA would normally consider safe for the, your, the neurodevelopment of your child. 14 times. If your child were to be given not just the HEP B, but at birth they also give them um, vitamin K, it is so much aluminum. They are in aluminum toxicity. There's a, a recent research article done by some scientists through the IPAC Institute that found if you continue to do the, the recommended pediatric childhood vaccine program that is recommended by the ACIP, that your child will remain in aluminum toxicity their entire childhood, up until the age, I think, of 14, that they are in aluminum toxicity. Do you know that here in the United States, uh, the highest vaccinated population in the world 
Okay. Here in the United States, we have the highest infant mortality rate of any of the industrialized countries combined on the first day of life. That's Babies incredible. here in America are dying significantly more on the first day of their lives than all of the industrialized countries combined. We're the one that is giving them that hep B vaccine with 250 micrograms of aluminum and the vitamin K. And I want to point something else out. You had brought up on the screen. This is absolutely shocking. It's going to shock your viewers and your listeners. In 2020, during our uh, shutdown, when we had the COVID-19 shutdown and, and many of the states shut down and people were hunkered down there in their homes last year and, and were terrified, you bring up that graph of the... Um, was it? Uh, was that this one? Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. I hit the wrong button there. There it is. Yep. Okay. Yep. So this is straight from the CDC. Uh, the CDC looks at, you know, the rates of death in different populations. So right there, all those different colored squiggly lines are infant deaths, not just pediatric deaths. Those are infant deaths that are happening in any given um, time of the year in the 53 weeks of the year. During the 2020 shutdown, I want you to look at that line that is decreasing. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. That is, the, that is the period where we were shut down. Why would infants' mortality rate go down during the time when everybody's at home? Right? You think that you know that that's not a time you know that they're not going out and getting in car wrecks so much, or you know the things that you would normally. Why is that going down? And you know the only logical conclusion that we can have is. At the same time, those parents were not taking their children, those infants, to their well baby visits, their vaccine visits. And in fact, that we were saving over 250 babies a week during the shutdown when they're not, they were not going to their well baby visits. That's absolutely incredible. And this should be shared with every single legislature, legislator to tell them we need a complete investigation on why we saw infant mortality go down during that, that time. I mean, we would never have gotten this data if it weren't for the shutdown. But look at that, clear as day, 250 babies a week per se. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I watched a video just yesterday and they were making a, a something not dealing with the infants, but they were talking about the spring of DDT. And then six months later, you could see the increase in quote unquote, you know, polio. And then when they stopped DDT, six months later, you would see the polio go down. And it's very reminiscent of this because the whole thing of the polio, obviously, was to give them, get them a vaccine uh, and such. But the same thing seems to be true here. And, you know, I'm from the old school here, uh, Maya. I, I'm a good old Southern boy. And I was taught as a kid, if you got the flu or something, you got in bed. You didn't go to the doctor. You got in bed. And, you know, you tried to have something to drink, you tried to eat some toast, something to keep something on your stomach, whatever, and you stayed in bed and let your body fight off whatever it was having. Now they want you to go to the doctor if you're well. They call, Like you said, well visits. They're constantly wanting to push you to the high priest of scientism that they've created, this religion, that, that where they're pushing out things uh, that are destructive to us, that are deadly, 
Uh, and my friend Stephen Holbrook writes about this at uh, ChristianityVaccines.org. You know, he says this is not anything new. This is pagan practices. They were doing vaccines long before, you know, Jonas Salk and company came in. It was part of their religion of what they did. And here I think you've got some pretty good numbers. I mean, this is not some small drop here. This is almost in half, isn't it? A 30, I mean, well, 30%. It's a pretty large decrease in uh, in infant deaths. Absolutely. And I, I think that's a, an excellent point, that it is like a religion. People have been fed that vaccinations are a necessary thing to save humanity. And we have been fed that we wouldn't even be alive today without vaccines. That is like a false god. You know, we rely so much on the medical industry and the vaccine program to be alive that we can't even be objective observers to find to ask the question, is this really the way that it's supposed to be? Is this how God intended us to live our lives, to have a completely altered immune system? You know, it's very, very hard to break through that mindset when you really become so faithful in the system. Yep, that's well. That's exactly what it is, and I I often tell people, you know, they some people want to get on the last day's madness trip and talk about the mark of the beast and stuff. And I said, you know, look, when you look at the imagery, you're either going to submit to God. You go back to Deuteronomy six. He says you're to take His commands, bind them around your hands, and they're to be as frontlets between your eyes, your hand and your forehead. What you do, what you think, and they're to be they're to be in line for the glory of God. And yet, when you submit to the tyrant, they do the exact opposite. And usually that comes out in what they do and what they think, but also it comes out sometimes in the form, and it did in the first century at least, with people recognizing that Caesar was God, and they weren't going to buy or sell without his particular mark, his his coin that they were going to put on their hands or their foreheads. And so this is exactly what it is. Some of, you know, some of us were vaccinated, and didn't know any better. Um, and I know when we first had our children, we had a couple that were vaccinated. We were learning along the way, and we quit doing it. But so many have, have had this problem, and as you say, boy, if this keeps on, it won't be too long before, you know, you say you're going to have a caregiver and somebody who has to be cared for. I mean, I can see it going completely the other side where you just have a lot of people who need care uh, rather than just the the one and two kind of deal. In fact, Kate was telling us that she thought – um, I don't know if it was autism or autism and cancer, but virtually one in one people within just a few years in the UK due to the vaccinations would probably be faced with, uh, with, with cancer in their life. Uh, I mean, how long are we going to go down this path yeah. before we say enough's enough, it's time to turn it around? Yep. You know, there's an interesting study that some independent doctors and scientists have been doing and have been publishing And one of them is to show the difference in the health outcomes of vaccinated versus unvaccinated children. And the results were actually absolutely shocking. And it's something we've been asking the CDC to do for many, many years. They absolutely refused. Um, And so it took upon independent doctors to do so. And so if you look at this, these uh, results are absolutely shocking. When they looked at the unvaccinated compared to the vaccinated, they found that chronic illness, that children that were vaccinated had 2.4 times more likely to have a chronic illness, 2.9 times more likely to have eczema, 3.7 times more likely to have a developmental disorder, 
4.2 times more likely to have autism, 4.2 to have ADHD, 5.2 times more likely to have a learning disability, and 30.1 times more likely to have allergies if they had been vaccinated versus the unvaccinated population. You know, here in America, I don't know if you know this, Tim, but we have a population of children that have 54% of them have a chronic disease here in the United States. Over half of our children have a chronic disease, yet we're the highly, most highly vaccinated population, and we call that public health. At what point do we start to question public health policy? Well, I, I think that some people are questioning some of that now with the COVID. Um, of course, they the thing is, is they're using the media to continually drumbeat that they're safe and effective. They're not hearing the stuff like you're putting out right now. That stuff is squashed. It's being censored on social media. It's not being reported in the mainstream. In fact, when the, the only thing we have when we deal with deaths or adverse effects, as far as the reports that we have on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, they come from local affiliates. They come from the local you know, news outlet in your city or whatever. They don't come from the the quote-unquote mainstream, they come from these local outlets and or they come from families or they might come from a post where somebody's told, hey, we got the jab here and, uh, you know, the next day they're dead or whatever the case may be. And so the people aren't getting the information overall, I don't think. But I think, you know, I spoke with my dad and uh, last night and he said, you know, something really smells in all of this that they're saying one thing and then they change their mind and he says, I just... He says, I can't figure it out. And my dad's not a quote-unquote anti-vaxxer, but at the same time, he's saying something isn't right about what's going on. And he's exactly right. You keep referencing Nazi Germany. That's exactly what we've pointed to. The, you know, the, the entire medical industry in Germany was behind most of the killing there that was going on in the 30s and 40s. Absolutely. It doesn't take um, much to look back on history and now seeing it repeated again. The censorship is part of the propaganda machine. You know, our media has been captured. Our medical institutions have been captured. Medical schools have been captured. This has been going on for such a long time. The narrative has been so strong. It's like we're back, you know, you look at Galileo. You know, we look back at history. There's been people that have questioned the norm. And finally, people start to wake up. And I really think that the Lord has been putting truth in people's minds and their hearts and their eyes. This year, more than anything, you know, COVID, the COVID year has been awful for freedom. Many people got sick and died, but at the same time, many people started to really question the things that they were hearing. Things were not quite adding up. That's right. And this has been something, you know, this kind of propaganda, the fear, well, the use of fear in propaganda has been very powerful. Hitler used it, and we in this country have been using it. And if you look back, 2019, remember we had the measles outbreak. And it was 24 hours of news cycle fearing you and thinking that we are all about to die of measles. Do you know how many people actually died of measles in the United States from our measles outbreak last in 2019? Who's that? Not a single. Not, not a single, single person <laughs> died of measles. However, you know what they got out of that? The fear was so strong that in New York, they were able to quarantine large communities of the Jewish people. They quarantined them 
and they coerced them into getting their vaccinations by threatening them uh, huge fines and imprisonment. And then they were able to pass bills in the state of New York, totally removing religious exemptions from all vaccines for kids to go to school, not just public school, but private school. And in the Amish community in New York, where they are separated completely on their own, have their own schools in their Amish community, were forced, they were threatened $2,000 a day per child that was not completely up to date on the recommended vaccine schedule. They were going to be fined $2,000 a day if they opened their school and had any of those children in. The Amish tried to fight it. They tried to sue the state of New York. They went all the way to the New York Supreme Court and they lost. They lost their religious liberty to object to what they considered a, an abomination to God, injecting their children with these man-made toxins. They were told they couldn't even educate their own children. And this is not just New York. Oh, I don't know if you heard just recently, Connecticut just lost their religious exemptions as well. We now have six states in the United States that do not allow you to practice your religious belief to object to toxins being injected into your children for them to have an education. And this has been trickling down for years. And don't think that they're going to stop at the religious exemption either, because if you look at California, they led the way. They stopped and they got rid of the philosophical objections. Then they get rid of the religious objections. And then two years ago, they got rid of almost all of the medical exemptions. That all those families of vaccine injury that had no way to get their children into daycare or to have schooling searched and searched for doctors that would write them, brave doctors, because doctors were being uh, threatened to lose their license if they wrote a medical exemption. These parents sought out doctors that were going to be brave enough to protect their children, to write them a medical exemption. And finally, the state of California says, those are not even going to be allowed. You're going to have to go through a hearing at the, in the Senate to decide if that medical exemption qualifies. Maya, let me tell you what the Maya, Maya let, me, let, me, let me put you on hold here a second because we're about to come up to the end of the show. Can you hold over for a few minutes? Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, we'll on the other side once uh, everything closes out here in just a couple of seconds. You can catch us on son, sonsoflibertymedia.com. We'll finish up the interview here with Maya. Go there, right side of the page. Scroll down. Jump on there. Jump in the chat, and uh, and we'll see you on that side. With that said, Bradley will be on at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central. Sonsoflibertymedia.com. We'll talk to you at 6 a.m. Eastern Time. Lord willing. See ya. Okay, all right, we want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio and appreciate you guys hanging with us in the chat and things. And uh, Maya, I didn't mean to cut you off, but the time was running out there real quick, and I just want to make sure that you got your thoughts in. So please continue what you were saying there. Thank you, Tim. I'm just saying that uh, the medical exemptions in California, they're so strict that if you had a reaction to a vaccine, the only ones that are going to be allowed for you to not be forced to get another vaccine is if you have prolonged uh, seizures or anaphylaxis. And that only exempts you from that one vaccine. 
you will still be mandated to get all the other ones and roll the dice, spin the roulette wheel, and just and figure out if you are going to have another severe adverse reaction. So freedoms are not um, free in California, and they're coming our way if we don't step up, we don't start talking about it. We all need to band together and stop vaccine passports and maintain our vaccine freedom of choice religiously, philosophically, and of course, medically. Tim, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And I think it's very informative. I, I listened to you with Bradley a couple of times. I said, I'd like to have that lady on the show. And of course, it's it's very early uh, for us when we do it live, which is always better. But uh, but the information is what's important. Now, you you talk about we've, we've got to do these kinds of things. What are some recommendations you have? Obviously, you went and, and testified before this uh, House committee, this oversight committee there in your state. And I say that's really where a lot of this stuff has to be fought, not at a federal level. It has to be fought at a local and a state level. Do you have any um, things that you do locally, not not statewide or at, at the state house, but maybe locally that you're engaged in as well? Yes. So, excuse me, many parents have uh, banded together. They are attending their school board meetings and pushing back. In fact, uh, there's a county here in Michigan that just passed a resolution to ban vaccine passports in the county. That's a resolution. I suggest that every single citizen get together with their citizens and pressure their commissioners to have such a ban in their counties. And if you get multiple counties, they are going to pressure the state as well. You know, ask your legislators to have a stop to vaccine passports. You know, there's if this isn't a partisan issue, this is a bipartisan issue. This is a human issue. It doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or you're a Republican. This is about freedom, freedom over our bodies. You know, this is the one time that we can probably all agree that it's our body, our choice. But if we don't start speaking up and sharing the information that we know and having those t- discussions with our leaders, with our congressmen, with our representatives, our senators, and your commissioners, we're not going to go anywhere. And this is coming down to the wire. It is now or never. So, and I really want everybody to please write your congressman, just as Congressman Bill Posey begged and pleaded in 2015. I beg and plead you, all of us need to call and write our congressmen and women and say, let's finally have an investigation into the fraud of the CDC and let's subpoena Dr. William Thompson, and Dr. Andrew Zimmerman, and let's find out who is going to be held accountable for their crimes against humanity. Well, I'll I'll tell you, because, and and this is just my thought, to ask Washington, D.C. to investigate itself further, I think we're asking for problems. I think we're going to have to start dealing with this at the state level. Just, I mean, I'm, I'm dead serious. I don't see anybody... It seems like my all we see from DC is we need another investigation. We need another, and where do they go? They go nowhere. They never bring anybody to justice. That's part of the problem that I see. And so I'm thinking there's got to be something, if nothing else, at the state level. I don't see why a governor in his state look. If some of these governors could pop up and you know basically ban hydroxychloroquine or something like that, then why can't they come in there and say, well, wait a minute, we're not going to allow this kind of stuff to go on in our state, knowing, knowing the risk to our people, 
this stuff, we're going to ban this. If you want it, you got to go to another state and get it, but you're not going to get it here and, and start establishing it. And as far as the complaining um, and the uh, the acquiescing to the, the different um, exemptions, we had Tony Roman on. You may know who he is from uh, uh, Basilico's out in Huntington Beach, Florida. And uh, one of the things that Tony told me, and he actually gave me a good correction on I was really thankful for it. He said, don't use the exemption. Don't use it. He said, just tell them no. They don't. He said, I'm not going to get in an argument with government over science. That's not their business. Their business is to enforce the law. It's not science. And this is, again, why I say when we got all these other things, we got too much um, conflict of interest when we start bringing all these things together in government. Government has one uh, thing that it's supposed to do, and that's to pr- protect the, the rights and the liberties of the people and to punish the guilty. That's all that, That's really all they have to do. And they can't seem to do that, but they can seem to put their hands in every, you know, everywhere else. And you had one final image. I didn't get to show it. Uh, I was just going to show it here. Uh, stop complaining as long as we – it's almost funny, but it's not funny considering the seriousness of what's going on there. Uh, as long as we do what they tell us to, everything's just going to be all right. It's going to be fine. And uh, with that said, Maya, you've got a, you've got a, a podcast and you've got some other things uh, maybe some websites. I know you've got a Telegram and stuff. Do you want to give that out to people so that they can uh, follow along with you and uh, the things that you're disseminating to the, to the public? Sure, Tim. Yep, I um, host Health Freedom Unmuzzled. I put most of my information up on BitChute under Health Freedom Unmuzzled, as well as Telegram. I do have an ongoing blog on Telegram. I am still up on YouTube and Facebook, believe it or not. <laughs> I don't know. My time, I keep thinking my time is going to come to an end with them since they are really great at censorship. But you can find me there too. But most likely, keep me, um, keep me informed and, and I'll keep you informed on Telegram. Love to chat. Love to share information and keep you up to date on things that are happening in Michigan and around the world. And uh, keep up the fight, y'all, and have faith uh, together. And with God, we can do anything. Amen. Amen. Uh, one other, one other parting thing, and then we'll close out the show. Have you ever heard of Carrie Rivera or Dr. Andreas uh, Calker? No. Um, I, you know, I know you've got, you talk about having, um, uh, vaccine injured children and such, and Carrie has a son. Uh, he, he got autism from a vaccine and she began to use chlorine dioxide with him. Um, and she said it was tremendous. The difference in the kid, after she started doing it, and she got that from Dr. Calker. We had him on the show a couple of weeks ago, but he's been using, he's in some testing uh, phase. I think he's in the third trial phase of using sodium chlor- uh, sodium chlor- chlorine dioxide uh, to treat a lot of different stuff. And I guess we're going to get a report out after that. But I mean, we're talking about anything from cancer to um, staph infections to autism, to all kinds of, can't, I mean, uh, co, you know, the alleged COVID, all this stuff. And I asked him, I said, Dr. Calker, how many people have you not been able to, to treat? And he goes, only to the ignorant and the, uh, the fearful. Those are the only ones he can't, he can't help. But he said, so far it's demonstrated to be a pretty incredible kind of natural compound 
that can be used to help people. So I don't know if you want to check her out, but her name is Carrie Rivera. We're going to have her back on probably in the next week or so, I'm hoping. K-E-R-R-I, Rivera.com. And um, she uh, she's really got a lot of stories to tell how she's helped other families who have children with autism and, and other kinds of things like that and the and the, the use of the, the chlorine dioxide, what she's, what she's doing as well. So uh, that may be something you want to check out in the future. I don't know. I love it. I appreciate the advice. I love to hear um, new people, new ideas, and read the research. So I will look into Carrie. Thank you so much. Okay. All right. Well, with that said, thank you. We appreciate your time and uh, and being with us and the presentation too. I hope it it all the pictures laid out real well. I think it did okay. And uh, guys, again, tw- uh, twenty three hours. We'll be back with you six a.m. Eastern time. Don't miss us. See ya.